What's up, Cracking Aces listeners? You can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball nips. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball nips and have a great time on the golf course. Everybody's out of money. I think everyone's either out of money or uh, too rich from quarantine or. Uh, no, it's going to slow down the summer. Like people go out of town and like people. Well, people are traveling again. Yeah. See, now is the time to take time off because we're going to be back in quarantine in like two weeks. I don't even want to fucking talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, we won't talk about it. But real quick. The article that I just read, it was like when numbers were like what they are right now in Florida and Arizona, that's when everybody went inside and we quarantined, but everybody in Florida and Arizona are like, yeah, we already did that. So like, they're not going to go back inside. Right. So it's just, we're fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, well. Shout out to New York City. We did it correctly. We stayed inside forever. Arizona just couldn't, couldn't do it. Yeah. As if I ever, like, not that I ever would, was planning on living in any of these states, but, uh, you know, after all this, kind of just proving how idiotic and, and, and dumb some of these, these administrations are and these go- local governments are, uh, you know, I just, I've, I may not even ever go to any of those states ever again. It's just, Although Arizona is really nice. I yeah, it's like, that's like when you have one bad uh, experience on an airline, and it, I'm never flying Delta again. And then it's like, well, they have the cheapest fare, so, yeah, you know, I guess yeah. I'm going to fly them. Like, shut up. Like, like, everybody who always says that, like, you're flying that airline if it's the most convenient, and they're never going to get better, so deal with it. Yeah, but, like, there's also, like, plenty of other, like, beautiful states. I don't need to go to Arizona. I've already been there. You're going to Arizona, whether you like it or not. You know you are. Maybe. I'll definitely go to Florida, even though I don't like it. <laughs> There's nothing really going on. Um, casinos are back open. Casinos are opening. Also, three Arizona casinos reclosed because too many people got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I can't remember what the timeline was. Like, I don't think we talked about Vegas casinos opening last week, did we? No. Uh, but just kind of like the the mayhem. I, I know they're taking people's temperatures, but it. Didn't it just kind of give you some anxiety looking at those videos? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just packed casinos and just everything's back to normal. I know. There's like, you know, it's like a packed crowded bar and then the bartender's wearing a mask and nobody else is. That's the way the East Village is. It's just, that's the way a lot of places are right now. It's just, even, so New York, you know, the rate is down very, very low. Right. So, and bars aren't open. So everybody just crowds the streets because they block off the streets and you just go bar to bar getting drinks. But there's so many people because they they don't have like a one in one out policy. It's just everybody's in the streets. Nobody's wearing masks. And I think what they've realized is since the positive rate is going up, but the 
death numbers going down. It's just like all the young people are getting it now. Like all the old people died and now all the young people are getting it and just recovering. Yeah. Um, Which isn't the worst. No, I mean, the idea of it isn't, isn't the worst uh, as long as there's no like kind of long, long-term repercussions that we don't know about yet. Oh, I, we don't know. There definitely are. We just right. don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get tested. We're uh, trying to get tested probably the end of this week or next week there's a rapid testing in hoboken i got tested double negative got negative for having it negative for already having it so haven't been exposed maybe you just have a uh, just a super body it's possible rejecting coronavirus left and right on your rotor rollerblading adventures my rollerblades come today we're gonna rollerblade up at the cod yeah i don't think you're allowed to come oh really Sadly, see no Novak Djokovic, his uh, tennis tour or tennis exhibition tournament. Yeah, uh, just everyone got it. <laughs> Did you see the videos? They were just a clubbing. They were. I know they were just they were just like hardcore partying. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought that it was a real thing? Not him. He doesn't believe in any of that. Um, I did just see Kevmap tweet about this tournament in Jacksonville. At the end of June, or I, I guess it's this weekend. I, side note, March and April felt like they were like a year and a half long, and May and June have flown by in like two days. If you asked me what today's date was, I'd be like June 9th. It's June 24th. I know. I know. If it's, it's, I don't know what happened to June. I yeah. do not know. It's going to be September before we know it. Yeah, this year, this year just is fake. This is a fake year. Nothing has happened. Nothing good has happened. Yeah, it's, it's pretty messed up here. <clears throat> uh, but Kev, 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 Kev Math uh, tweeted about this tournament. It's I think it's at best bet. It's a there's two tournaments: a 5K no limit and a hmm. 5K PLO. And the winner is whoever has the best combined results in the two. Wow! Wait, you have to put up 5K to play each. Each or. I'm not sure of the specifics. I don't know. Like each tournament is a 5K, but I don't know if you have to play both. You, how else like, would you win? Like, what? You, there's zero chance of winning unless you play both. I, I don't know. I mean, what if you win the, the 5K no limit and don't play the PLO? Like, do you, do you, do you qualify still? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, but you, you start at the top of the leaderboard, and then the more people that get chips, like you sink down the leaderboard. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how they're. That's a crazy idea. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's different. It, it, would, it, it would look like a, a lot better online where it's updating instantly because, like, when it's live, you don't know. You're trying to get – say you win the first one. Now you're in the second one, and you just have to stay alive, and you just have to know how many chips – your closest opponent has or you're constantly getting up and walking over to their well, I don't know if it's like chip count total. I, I'm sure they have like a like a actual number system, point system. Right, by finish I mean. So like if you're you're faced with a big decision and you need to go see like how your closest opponents are doing to help you decide if you're gonna fold or call in this big decision. Right. But I mean, that's, that's always been the difference, a difference between live and online. If you, if you think of it, like when you're near the bubble live. Yeah. It's like a constant bubble. Right. Right. 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, hey, it's kind of a funky, weird year. Why not have a funky? Yeah. Weird? It's gonna get like seven people. I was wondering. It's such a. Are they just doing it at such a high price point to make sure it's small so they can test it out? Who knows? I love um, the idea in they, theory. They might. They might be doing it at such a high price point because so they are guaranteeing they won't get that many people. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like to make it easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably, but I I love the idea for if that's an online thing. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, but I mean, they also. I, I guess it's not nearly the same. But I mean, I was just, I was going to say they also have half and half tournaments that already exist. We have some questions for you from people on Twitter to talk about poker today. Maybe do a little strategy talk. Oh. Episode 65 of the Crack Nation podcast. It's probably. Yeah, 65. Retirement um, You know, one thing we forgot to do was was uh, commemorate our one year of doing this. No, I, I thought about it. I just, what's a year? It was a while ago, though. Yeah, it, it was, was probably like, in March. It was like, no, it was May. It was, in it was May. like May 15th or something, halfway okay. through May. Well, happy one year, bro. Yeah. yeah it's not the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy two year will be better. <laughs> Think we're gonna get there. We'll have. We'll see. We're get hit by a train tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's very unlikely I could get hit by a train tomorrow. That would suck. Yeah. I don't know how I would ever be in the presence of a train tomorrow. Um, coming to Hoboken. Why am I coming to Hoboken? The, the Thursday thrill. <laughs> you just <laughs> uninvited me from our family vacation. Yeah, it's true. So this is episode 65. I'm Nate. That's Jake. And um, I figured we could put out a tweet and see if people had any actual poker questions. It's been a while since we've done that. Yeah. And I have some. Yeah, I, have, I, I didn't see anything. I guess no, I haven't been on Twitter. Some have trickled on in. Okay. So we'll just start from the bottom with a... It's like, I don't know, it's a generic question, but it's a fair question. It's a fine question. Johnny the Punter asks, asks, what is the best way to approach a one-two cash game with friends who are all similar levels? The best way is to go in with a take-all-their-money mentality. Meaning what? Uh, I don't know. Try, try, to be, try to be your friends out of, out of some money. Yeah, but I guess his question is like, if everybody stinks at poker at the same level, yeah. How, what what what's your best approach? I mean, if everybody stinks, it's kind of really ha- hard. Like, is he asking me what my approach is, or am I? It, it, does he also stink? Like, I think he also stinks. I think. I mean, just have fun, man. If everybody stinks. It's probably just a fun home game. Just have fun. I think he wants to win, though. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's hard. Ooh. Sorry, my mic fell. If you if he's going out and he wants to, it's like a cutthroat game. It doesn't really matter if everybody stinks. The mentality could still be that you know he wants to win as much money as possible. Then uh, approach it that way. Try to uh, understand how and why 
your friends are as bad as they are and uh, what you can do to uh, counteract that and, and take advantage of that. Even if you yourself might think that you stink, you're already on, you're already ahead of the game and a level ahead of them by thinking about ways to take advantage of. Right. That's what I was more thinking. The fact that he's already thinking about, Hey, wait, I can actually win at this game means that you're already like have, I don't know, read up on just like basic one, two cash strategy. Don't try to do anything stupid. And uh, I mean, if it's really, if, if, if you have, if you yourself have the ability to, uh, or you know, have the have the the willingness to learn and try to get better, you're. It's not going to take very long for for you to to start winning more than your friends are winning in a in a game that's full of people that don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, but that um, might take some time. Here's a question from Brian Jacobson. He said, what's the strangest thing you've seen someone do at the table? Oh, boy. Um, like a mannerisms or? I, I, have a, I think you can go anywhere. I have a couple that came to mind. I would say one, it's just like you've seen someone blast off like a starting stack at the 2550 you know, level just for no reason, something like that. I always yeah. find that strange. Um, I mean, yeah, like as far as playing, I, I've seen some just wild shit where, you know, guys are guys are like bet calling all in on the river with, with you know, eight high and stuff. Like, you know, you, you, you sometimes just see stuff that you can't even believe. Um, as far as mannerisms and, and like actions that I've seen people do at the table, shit, I don't know. Uh, anybody who's played live has dealt with like the people who make stupid noises and uh, you got that guy uh frank's frank uh Stepuchin, St- something he's won a wbt plays all of them he's oh uh, yeah i mean he just is sing he sings basically 10 hours a day uh what was the name of the guy that i played with at wsop the really rich dude who's always drunk who he was kind of like the talk of WSOP for a little bit or Borgata, yeah. not WSOP really rich guy owns a car. Oh, right Sean Cunix. Yeah. Yeah. He was a strange thing that I saw at a table just blasting off 10 entries in a 2,500 man event, just double fisting drinks the whole time. Yeah. Um, well, that's always, that's always uh, something that you're, you're likely to see, uh, especially at Borgata. We played through an earthquake last year's main event. Yeah. Played yeah, through the, the guy pulled his pants down. Yeah, the guy pulled his he pants down at, at the dealer. That definitely happened. We weren't at that table, unfortunately. No, no, I guess right. I didn't see that firsthand, but even so, that's probably. I mean, that's got to be the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was once moved to a table with Jake Tool, watched him double up twice in five minutes, and then blasted all away with ace eight into aces. It was ace five? Ace five. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's that's got to be up there. That's that's high up there on the list. Um, you always see like fight videos come out. You know things get heated. Uh, I I don't think I've personally seen. Anything. I was playing one three at Wild West in Atlantic City, and I saw a fight. Yeah, I mean that's where you're likely to see it, right? Like where some guys are just getting a brawl over like a seven dollar pot. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. That, it was like in the poker room. It wasn't at my specific table, but the guy was blackout drunk and he was trying to fight the cops 
Yeah, that's. Uh, I won a high hand at that Wild West table as well. It was like three hundred dollars cash. Sick. Sick. Damn, how good are you? <laughs> I'm the best. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I I'd really have to think about. I saw the chip leader of the main event, uh, check raise fold the river for half his stack for absolutely no reason and then bubble the main event is that you yeah <laughs> um that's yeah that doesn't even sound that preposterous that was really stupid all i had to do was not do that well i mean let's be honest there's no there's probably between the two of us there's no shortage of dumb things that have been done at the poker table over over the years you know i was thinking you've played you've played like 50x the tournaments i have but i've probably made more dumb like just like (laughs) decision you know what a hand that really sticks with me is um is when i was probably 19 and i was playing at turning stone and um, this is when I like had had some success, but like still not much. Uh, and people were like first starting to like three bet a lot and like figure out that whole dynamic and, and ability to to uh, kind of apply a ton of pressure uh, with not so good hand, not great hands. Um, and I and I just for absolutely no reason three bet this kid. This kid's open, like you know, he opened like middle position. And I three bet him from the small blind for no reason. It's six three off. And uh, and I just like went all in for three x pot. I'm like, I think I actually had a pair. I think it was like like ten three deuce or something. And got, got called by eights and and I lost. And, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, and I was like, man, why did I do that? I just had no no reasoning for for doing that. I mean, I have like a billion stories like that. There's no shortage. Yeah, but I don't know that. that I mean, yeah, I, I've obviously uh, have other, other. When I went to Jacksonville, to Florida to play WTPT best bet 5K bounty tournament. And I was the first player out of the tournament when I triple barreled like level two. And I mean, I got hero called like the shit out of me by like tens on like a queen, queen, ace, king, triple suited board. But uh, yeah, that was a waste of a trip to Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for some reason, that hand just stands out. I mean, that was like the very start. I think it was because I, that was probably the first time I had ever like really done it. And it was like le- like legitimate money that I had lost. Probably wasn't even rolled for that tournament. And I was just like sent into a depression for, I don't know. Well, here, here's a poker question that hopefully you can figure out an answer to. How do you figure out when to like apply pressure and three bet light and just start really hammering pressure on players at the table? Uh, well, first of all, you want to, you really want to be picking on, you know, the, the ideal candidate to, to three bet, especially in a tournament where you can leverage somebody's uh, tournament life is uh, a player who is opening a lot and then being passive versus aggression. Um, so, you know, your hand selection matters less. You're they're They're going to be putting you in, t- uh, in, not nearly as many tough spots, both pre-flop and post-flop. Um, but, you know, people aren't all like that by any means. Most people like to fight back, which is, uh, you know, leads you to have to look to work on your hand selection as far as, like, three-bet candidates. Um, 
you know, is this a, is this a player who's, you know, doesn't really, is going to understand that you're, you're applying a lot of pressure um, and likely to be three betting their, their stack light, especially if you have a covering stack and are they going to be going all in with hands that, you know, you know, other players might fold or are defending three bets a lot where then your hand selection starts to matter a lot more. So you, you know, take a hand like, you know, a junkie hand like a six off or something um, that versus a player who's playing pure fold uh, or fold or shove might, uh, you know, that's a better hand to, to take and use as three bet. Whereas somebody that's a little stickier defending a lot, like very capable of, of, you know, understanding both your and their range. Um, you know, that's a hand that you're very unlikely to choose. You want a hand that has a little bit more playability, um, like on online on ACR, what I've realized is most three bets I would say are heavily weighted towards like jacks plus. It's like jacks, ace queen, ace king, queens, kings, aces, and everything else is basically like a flat in position. Like very rarely. Uh, yeah, we'll... I, mean, I I I somewhat disagree. I mean, well, this, okay, I'm just talking at like the fifty dollar level, like in like. Okay. 2000 field tournaments like until it gets deep where like people are a little more aggressive but like there's it i'm always trying to figure out like should i just be three betting a shit ton just because it plays so like for six hours it'll play so standard like open flat mid position call for the big blinds defending a thousand percent of hands at this point it's it's yeah. really crazy it has to be too wide like i it's really really rare in these tournaments that the big blinds not defending like, right. I mean, that's, that's, if you're going to work on tournaments that I would, I would highly suggest uh, like working on every spot versus like different, different spots around the table and different stack steps versus big blind. Um, and, you know, with adjusting big blind stack depths as well, because that is the by far and away the most common scenario. Um, with the trend of poker right now is, is uh, preflop razor versus big blind defender. Uh, you know, understanding what, you know, how wide the big blind is defending and what, what uh, flops are, you know, tend to be better for the big blinds range. What flops are, you know, giving you a range advantage um, that I would, I would highly suggest um, really uh, brushing up on for, for people that are, trying to uh you know play a lot of tournaments get a lot better because that is a very very common scenario yeah so i'll look at someone opening like early position with like 24 bigs and you know that you can just put a ton of pressure on them in position where say if they're opening like sevens well i'm just throwing out hands and yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a good hand to 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 use yeah and like it's like you can just three bet really wide and put them under that I think people are like scared of that sub 20 big blind threshold where they're not going to ever four bet shove like any sort of mid pair against a three bet because three bets are so rarely light in these low stakes tournaments well, that they're just like, all right, well I'm beat. I can fold. And like, you'll have people folding probably like ace queen suited in that spot too. Like they just will not be jamming that in because they just always assume that they're beat. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's a little bit of a, a reach, but um you know, people people are also I would I would say as a generalization, uh it's much easier to 
to just rip a, a format shove, a some sort of middling pair, then a hand like uh, you know Jack ten suited, Queen ten suited, or Queen Jack suited. Um, the reason being, it's a lot easier to to realize equity with those hands than with a hand like five, six, or sevens. Um, you know, unless you flop a set, it's just, it just tends to be very difficult. You usually flop. You know, you're usually stuck with you know a very weak top pair on on some low boards. Um, you know, a pretty vulnerable middle middle pair or third pair on uh, you know different textures. Whereas hands that you know maybe in like 2010 or 2011, whatever people would go all in with hands like king queen, queen jack, jack ten. Um, they tend to be a lot. They tend to be more. Uh, they tend to be flatted a lot more. Yeah, I feel like back in the day, you would see like jack ten of spades and think that you had the fucking nuts. <laughs> I remember someone even asking, like, when I was streaming for you know those few days I was streaming. I remember getting some people asking, like, why do you fold queen ten so much? Like, why are you folding jack tens? And there's not good hands. It's just, but for some, I think we were brainwashed by ESPN back in the day. Be like Broadway suited connectors, and it's just. You know, they would 3x, uh, like, you know, jack 10 early position with, like, 20 bigs. Well, I mean, I think those are, you know, the suited versions of those hands are, are still good opens. Um, but, yeah, obviously, but obviously, you don't really see, you know, when you're off of 20 bigs, you you tend to not see full 3x's. Everyone's uh, typically opening a lot smaller. I, I also, like, here's, I don't, I don't even know how to ask the question. And this is more for you because you've played with the same people a lot. Can you start getting tricky when you have like 20 bigs and under? Let's say you're under the gun. So people will perceive your range as so much tighter so you can open wider. Well, yeah, but then you, I mean, you, yeah, my, the answer is, is like kind of. So like it's two things like your stack is, can be highly leveraged. Uh, so you, you know, kind of like, it's like a similar. Uh, it's a similar point of view from both the opener and anyone who wants to attack your stack. Um, you need to be selective with the hands that you open, which means you you want to you know probably be a little bit tighter, but also also more aware of like card removal and and having like good good blockers to to overpairs. Um, you know, big cards. Those are tend to be good hands. Yeah. Uh, choose, choose to open but not like paired hands I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. hands that were moved just, yeah, it's better. funny how I like saying is like you can talk really in depth about poker but then it all comes down to like the simplest lessons like big cards are good pictures are good yeah <laughs> uh, and I mean an, an obvious uh, reason for wanting to open those hands is because it removes some of the really strong hands that will attack you but also you think about the hand selection that like a good aggressive opponent would want to use to three bet you. And they're, those are going to be similar hands. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not always they, sometimes you open King Jack off under the gun off 20 bags and, and, you know, a seven suited three bets here or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah. I mean, if you feel, if you feel like you're at a table where you're going to be really highly leveraged, um, you're going to want to play that stack a little bit tighter. But yeah. there are sometimes there's tables where you can get away with a lot more. And, yeah, and, I've been trying to figure out like what to open and what to fold with like 16 bigs. It's like if I have, I don't know, 
king queen off under the gun and i have you know 15.4 bigs like what what do i do in that situation you're asking me yeah no i'm like trying to figure out like what to yeah kind of asking you but like it's i know it's different every single table you're at but it's like that's when poker starts getting tricky for me it's like can you min open king queen suited under the gun with 15 and a half bigs get three flats and now you're playing out of position or do you wait for the yeah, but I mean, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing yeah but okay or then like you fold and it, now it, it, it really sucks if like you're opening that spot a little too wide and then you end up going multi-way with a hand that's might be off suit maybe like a little bit more disconnected um that's when it tends to suck yeah that's what i'm saying no, yeah, no, I I understand that, but like a, a, a hand specific to king queen suited. It, oh, I, I meant to say off suit. I don't know if I said suited. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, I was picturing like a red and a green one in my brain. A green four color deck, nice. Yeah, obviously. So, but then like you fold, and now the blinds are coming through, and no, I think I think so. Just as a as a base decision point, I think you basically never want to fold that hand that's that's a that's a pretty good hand to either go all in with or or come in for a, a small race yeah that that 15 and a half to like 20 big blind well that's area. You, you really want to study up on on push fold and yeah and look at the profit prop profitability excuse me of shoving you know x hand under, under the gun there and you know, it's EV and how many chips it makes. And, you know, if it's pretty neutral or like barely, barely winning and you're, you're, you know, in a situation where you feel it's, it's not good to push that edge, then you, you might just min raise. Yeah. I will say also, it, I have done a thing with that chip stack where I'm just blasting in with like Jackson better because people always perceive that in these tournaments as pretty weak and you'll see yourself called up. Like you just blast in like 17 bigs with aces and you'll find yourself getting called by like sixes because they're like, ah, he's never good when he does that. <laughs> and it's like, nah, you just flip aces right in their face and it's pretty demoralizing. Yeah, but then you're betting on somebody actually having a hand. They always have a hand. It's ACR. It's rigged. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, you're forgetting that part. I lose anyways. Uh, another question. This is for the live game. Uh, what are What's the best tells for? I don't know. What are the best tells to look for? when the villain polarizes their hand on the river. Oh, God. Um, Scratching the nose. Yeah. Blinking really fast. <laughs> but does that mean they're strong or weak? Because maybe they're doing it to make you think that they're weak when they're really strong, but they're doing it because they're strong, but they want you to think that they're weak. I mean, you, you want to look for, you know, you, you basically want to build a case for different people throughout a day of playing with them. You can't, I shouldn't say you can't, um, it's, I'm sure there are people who are much better at the live tells than I am. Um, I think you and I are in agreement agreement that live tells are a bit of an overrated concept. It's like play yeah, the hand. I mean, you always, I mean, you always want to be looking for stuff um, and and kind of build information on what you see throughout. You know, yeah, the but you can't. It's, it's really difficult to just look at a guy that maybe you've played ten hands with and see him blink and know if that means anything having to do with the hand it's just like that you can't really right. take not all information is actually information right so it's like you know you you play you see a guy like you and i are playing at the table together i see you in a big pot early on in the day um you know let's say you like made a huge bet on the river you look really comfortable really calm cool relaxed um you get called but never end up showing 
the winning hand later on it's the opposite another big another big pot you've made another better raise on the river uh this time your chest is pounding 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 out of your uh, your heart is pounding out of your chest excuse me uh, <laughs> and uh you know who knows maybe it's like you're even more excited because you have yeah. such a good hand and, and it's like or like even- outcast just came in in my headphones and i'm just like hey yeah right but but uh, you almost you I would I would suggest looking for things that can't really be helped by most people. So like me blinking really fast, for example, like I you know I could probably manipulate that in some way. Um, but a lot of people can't control their their uh, their heart rate, their, their you know the physical signs of of being anxious or nervous. But, or so even then, let's use heart rate as an example. How can you then dictate if that means their heart's beating really fast because they're weak or heart's beating really fast because they're strong? Well, that's, why, that's why I said you just you kind of have to try to build a case, you know, okay. build a case throughout the day. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend being like this means this because you know, and it's the first time I've seen it, but I know it means this because that's um, that can be tricky. Like I try to just like completely, I, I try to do. I'm either doing two things. I'm doing the same action like betting, putting my hand up every single time no matter what or i'm just constantly moving around and shifting and like it's just like there is no rhyme or reason why i'm sitting in any particular way it's like like will you will you show if i have it like i don't know maybe like you don't have to not everything is a tell like you want to know how you want to know how sick phil ivy is yes i have a phil ivy story from day one of the main event um you know what? It may have been the 2014. It may have been 2015. Uh, 2015. Oops. <laughs> Day 14. I can't. I I can't remember if it was 2015. It may have been 2016. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, I've just played so, so many main events. I can't keep them straight. Phil. So Phil is at my starting table, um, and we we end up we we played a pot uh, pretty early on. Um, was it was like a semi big pot? I can't remember whether I won or lost it, but we got involved in another big one um, somewhere in, still towards the start of the day, probably I don't know second or maybe third level, um, where I actually check raise bluff the river versus him, um, and he he went. I mean, he was in the tank for for a long long time. Um, he ends up folding, and. He's he was friends with Eric Wasserson, mm-hmm. who texted me and was like, "Like, would you have this hand?" Like, Phil noticed that you were like, I mean, I'm, I, it was like he he noticed that you were like slightly faster in the second hand, like just like a like a few seconds off it went in your decision making, uh, like before you you uh, put more chips in, and he. Uh, Fortunately, he he misinterpreted it. He he uh, he read it as as strength, I guess. Um, but just like the ability to like notice, so notice I almost find that bullshit over like over like just a f- not very much time of playing at all, and to but, notice. The no, but I'm saying like the fact that he thought that meant anything when it was just like you could have just been counting something in your head. Like I don't. Not, right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why it's hard to rely on it. How does that make him sick though? He was wrong. He was wrong, yeah, but but he he really uh, it just shows how in, like 
yeah, the fact that he's paying attention information to he's trying to collect yeah. so, okay. so even if he's wrong there it's it's like he's still aware of that and let's say i mean i don't think we ended up really playing any more significant pots but he had some pretty legitimate information to go off of that he was clearly paying attention to um you know in case we were building a uh you know, he was building a case. Now, on, you know, for the future, you're like, I better take, if he's folding every time you take an extra couple seconds. Yeah, right. Now I know. Now, now I know how to trick Phil. That should work. That's why they call you the goat. <laughs> Let's see. So this is from Braden. What's more likely, Nate winning the WSOP main or Jake breaking Djokovic, Federer's, Nadal's serve? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um... And what does breaking their serve mean? Winning a game when they're serving. Oh. Oh, it has to be me winning the main. Oh. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that means you think you're better at tennis than you are, or you think I'm that bad at poker. I hate these questions because it makes me sound like such a douche. It has to be me winning. I mean, realistically, what, what are the... What are the odds? I mean, the straight up odds of you winning an eight thousand person poker. I don't. Darwin Moon did it. I mean, he didn't though. Yeah. Well, he basically won it. <laughs> okay. Well, the, he didn't though. <laughs> it, he basically won it. You're, I mean, I mean, like if you're like five thousand to one or something, there's. Yeah, but you're worse than five thousand to one against Federer. Uh, I don't think so. Really? I mean to. He's not showing up hungover. Listen, let me be very clear that uh, this is just straight straight odds. I don't actually think I could I I would break or win a game off of their serve. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, honestly, it, it could be never. But I think I think I win the main event one out of five thousand times. Um. Yeah, but the, here's, here's the thing. is They all have, obviously, world-class serves. They're the three best players ever to play the game. Uh, but as far as serving goes, they're not the best servers. So, like, in a lot of cases, I would be able to at, at least get the ball in play. And then, I don't know, just I'd have to swing for the fences. So your answer is you? My answer is me. My answer is me. <laughs> um. It's actually funny. Um, the part of my take, guys, had a kind of similar discussion on uh, about playing other athletes in sport in, in sports, and they said that I think Big Cat said that he could beat any professional athlete in at least one sport. Yeah, which I I, I agree with. Yeah, I can't remember what he said he could beat LeBron in. It was something like something real dumb. I can't yeah, remember. I, I can't remember either. Um, but it was funny when I, you know, I obviously thought about our. Yeah, you mind, can beat LeBron in tennis. LeBron's current current prop bet that we have. You and LeBron's current prop bet that yeah, he's aware of. Prop bet. So we haven't heard anything from Mike McDonald. I know. I was just thinking that. Did he stop? The the I, challenge. I saw, him, I saw him tweet a few days ago that he just started shooting free throws again. Yeah, we'll have to follow up. I I forgot about that. Maybe uh, it was way harder than he thought it would be. Or maybe he's just playing everybody. No, he said he wasn't. 
what's the point of playing us? Like all the bets are already in for the most part. I'd be mad if I was a better on his side and he hasn't even been practicing. You would still bet his side? No, I would be mad if I did bet his side and he hasn't been practicing for the last two months. Yeah. So this question is from Brendan. He says, how do you deal with a downswing when it feels like every time you play a hand, you're running into the top of their range? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> that's why tough. he asked it. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you you have to have been through a downswing before. You have to understand that, you know, as silly as it is to say, you have to try to separate your, your, yourself from the results versus the actions that you took. Um, I would say that's really the most the most important part um, and really like hammer home the the importance of having a strong mental game. Um, yeah, go listen to our interview from two episodes ago with Maria Konnikova. She wrote an entire book about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, out today. Out yesterday. Yeah, I, I actually got it. It just came. Oh, nice. So I'm definitely out. Yeah. The, the mental game is so important and the worst is like when you're playing and every single time you're playing your mind starts telling you, well, this guy has aces. This guy, like they don't have aces every hand. They just don't like, <laughs> or, or you've, it's been so hard on, you know, you've, you've kind of been down swinging. You you're approaching every session with kind of a, uh, a pessimistic attitude. Like, Oh, here we go again. Like time to run, run terrible. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, you sit down, you kind of take like a not great beat and what's not even really a big pot. And that kind of like sets you off and then you start tilting and, yeah. and all this stuff. So that's stuff that you, you, uh, you know, you really want to try to avoid and, and work on not doing that. Um, you, you want to, you want to be able to not only have a strong, most people have very strong a games. Um, but sometimes you're just either running bad or you're, you're just not quite mentally there. You're playing your B, B minus game. And the better that those type, those games can be for yourself, the better off you're going to be, the better you'll be at handling the variance and, and, and some of the swings. Yeah, I agree. Let's see. Can you talk? This is from Luke. If I can get it to load. Oh, there it is. He says, can you go in depth about six handed poker as compared to seven to nine handed? Um, yeah, I mean, I can I can talk a little about it. It's six-handed poker versus nine-handed poker. I mean, you know, it's hard to really differentiate too much between six and seven-handed poker. Sure, but yeah, six versus nine. Nine-handed nine poker, yeah. I mean, you – let's just call it a cash format. Um, yeah. There's obviously more people at the table. There's more hands being dealt. You have to be a little bit more patient. You have to understand that a hand that you might open under the gun in a six-max game – might be folded in under the gun in a nine hand game, have to get through more people, um, more likely to go multi-way. Um, when you're, when you're facing aggression in six max, you have to understand that people are just generally going to be a little bit wider, uh, in all spots. Now this obviously, uh, changes person to person. Some people just are naturally tight. Other people's people are always loose in any format, but yeah, I mean, I would say that's the big difference. Is, it's more aggressive, is, shorthanded. Is under, yeah, understanding that shorthanded um, ranges are just going to naturally be wider, um, and and kind of adjusting and understanding. Especially in like tournament play, like six max tournaments will play like just super aggressive, and 
ranges will be way wider and there's a lot more leveling going on and a lot more people just like three, four betting light pre-flop. And just a lot more fun, a lot higher variance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, online you basically only see six-handed cash games. Um, but, you know, when you get to heads up and you get to three-handed, four-handed, it, it continues to shrink as far as, uh, you know, the ranges people are playing and ranges you should be playing. So it's it's all about um, continuing to, to kind of understand the dynamic of, of each structure. And this is from blank name. name can, his name is name cannot be blank. Uh, how does your mindset slash approach change as you run deeper in a tournament? Do you get more or less aggressive, assuming you have around average chip count? Uh, it's going to be pretty situational, um, but I would say that I usually err on the side of aggression. Um, that is going to Do you to agree depend. with the sentiment that pussies don't win poker tournaments? Sure. Yeah. You can't just be passive and a call station. You have to show aggression. I mean, you have to. End, you want to be playing good poker. Um, and part of playing good poker means understanding when you can be playing looser and when you can be, when you should probably tighten up. Um, you know, there's going to be different ebbs and flows throughout a tournament, especially as you get deep in it, where there's, you know, there's money jumps and that could mean there's a money jump for you when you're a little shorter. Um, or there's money jumps for other players uh, who are who you might have covered, um, and taking all of that into account, who you know look to see who's not you know we talked about big blind defense, who is not defending their big blind, um, that can certainly be a spot to attack and go after, um, who is not like making yeah. your life miserable by three betting you in position all the time, um, and who is so it's, I, I would say my mindset changes deeper in tournaments. I start paying way closer attention to chip stack and stuff like position and who's in the big blind like all right well this guy hasn't defended any big blinds so i can open lighter against his big blind because like i know that i can just whatever take it down pre-flop without having to deal with him or if someone is super aggressive three betting you non-stop out of the big blind it's less ideal to you know open light against him yeah you know i mean it's it's really as you're deep uh yeah i mean i would never say I'm always playing like as aggressive as I can when I'm deep in a tournament because if you're deep with good players, that's you're kind of going to get uh, you know chewed alive. Yeah, and that's what happened to me that I always talk about. I was killing it in the main event, and then I got moved to a table with good players, and I just kept my foot on the gas instead of adjusting. Right, right. like no one, like the good players don't care. Right, they don't, <laughs> and they don't know what just happened at the other table. Right, so, so like, yeah, I just yeah, kept my foot on the gas, and it just did not work out in my favor at all right right i should like have good, good players usually you know, they're going to play well they're not going to just um you know fold to, to to blind aggression if that's how they see it god it's so fun when they do though it's so fun yeah. well, that's why it's really important to take advantage of it when you do see that because yeah you know, every table in the tournament changes so it's it's you know it's lucky and, and fortunate when you're at a table that's like that um but it's likely to change. The best is when they're scared of you. When they're just like, I'm not going to... When you're the guy that they're talking about that they don't want to play a pot against. Like, you're the guy that they're scared of opening into your big blind because they know that you're just going to three-bet them. 
that's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Oh, I savor it. Just wish I could taste it. Oh, we should talk about these bracelet events that are starting next week. There's, there's uh, kind of some controversy over the, the rake structures. Yeah, I saw that. The rake is really, really high, huh? Yeah, not only is it high, but it's kind of just like erratic. Like a $400 tournament and a 1K have the same rake. Yeah, I'm no. Trying to, I'm trying to find uh, somebody's. There's Eric or uh, Aaron. Aaron? What's it? Ryan. God, it's Ryan, Ryan LaPlante. Yeah, yeah that, here it is. Yeah, so we got a 360 plus 40, 450 plus 50, <laughs> 540 plus 60, 700 plus 77, 950 plus 50. So the fifty dollar rake on a on a one k and a fifty dollar rake on a five hundred, um, a a fourteen twenty five with a seventy five dollar rake, so a seven hundred with a seventy seven dollar rake, and then a three k with a one hundred and sixty dollar rake. So they're raking. At, so they're raking like they're raking like eleven percent on a lot of these, and they do that live because they have to pay the staff and the floor and the dealers. They're doing it online just because they can. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of egregious. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could just pretend to be excited about these tournaments. Uh, they start, they start really late for East coast people and they end really late or end really early in the morning. Thing so is, like they, they go I to like think, seven a.m. I don't think that they're that exciting of tournaments. They don't feel prestigious. They're just, they're just, you know, three hundred dollar tournaments, four hundred dollar tournaments without big guarantees. They just say it's for a bracelet, but nothing about them feels special. Right, and uh, you know, as far as I know, I haven't seen. You know, it's not like they're going to run a a series alongside it. You know, like call it whatever where they're where they're running you know several tournaments alongside a bracelet event every day so it's like basically just playing one maybe two or three tournaments yeah i i'm not traveling to new jersey for any of them yeah i I was excited about the idea of it but what's the main i i don't i don't know if there is a main there's a 3k high roller maybe some sort of main event no 1500 is the main maybe that's probably their main event it's depressing times yeah i i agree it's uh i'm not gonna play in them i hope you win a bracelet yeah thanks uh, you know it's probably gonna take me like going semi-deep in one and then getting like 23rd at 3 30 a.m to not play another one yeah I, <laughs> <laughs> I i i wanted you to be excited about it but i can't even fault you for not caring <sighs> No. Sorry. Right. Who knows? Maybe that'll change. Maybe I'll get the bug. You won't. You're all bugged new, out. New computer comes Friday, so maybe that that might that's gonna help with some motivation. Your blades came today. Yeah, they're supposed to be here today at some point. Let me check. I haven't gotten them yet. Um, there's no more questions for you. Okay. Well, that was good. That was fun. Hope people learned something today. Yeah, yeah, no, anyway, yeah, always always send us questions. We're we're happy to answer them. Yeah. Nothing else to talk about. I know. It's just blading and uh 
coronavirus and have you bladed today no not today i've been working you're gonna go tonight yep i'll blade some tonight do a quick 10 miles nice it's so fun i'm kind of go at like you wear a helmet no 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 i've never worn a helmet i know you're so cool i know right no my parents never they cared about everything besides us wearing a helmet while skating it was very specific like how to wear one riding a bike obviously but we we always played like roller hockey in the street in front of our house never wore pads or anything never yeah, my parents made me wear the whole kit and caboodle i had to wear elbow pads knee pads that's wrist that's, pads those are the those are the important ones wrist pads no wrist pads no never no you can you can fuck up your wrist when i skated uh on saturday like semi blacked out i fell in front of people i'm sure i mean I, i'm sure people saw me <laughs> but yeah i fell on my elbow but you wish you I, had some elbow pads no i don't fall bro yeah you'll see me at the cake i had uh i had some to-go drinks in hoboken on uh on sunday uh-huh. You're feeling Although like I found it. out that as a that you can't actually drink in the street, you can't. No, it's like they're still they're like advertising like five hundred dollar fine and, and yeah, they just don't want everybody out of control. But like, there's still empty container laws, but they're not enforcing them. Yeah, so I, I, uh, we had dinner, and then I got a frozen margarita to go. And there, and I was just walking around the street with it. It was awesome. That's what I did on Saturday. Just went out in New York and just. I skated down and met my friends. I brought a backpack to put my skates in when I got there and just drank in the street. Uh, maybe we can we can skate this weekend. I'm going to uh, pick up I think we're skate. going to the COD where we're going to skate. It's not this weekend. Oh, yeah, next weekend. Yeah, next weekend I'm going to the COD. Me and you going to the COD. <laughs> Putt-Putt doesn't like you. Putt-Putt will have to deal with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can figure it out. All right, take us home. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Cracking Aces podcast. Oh, now you talk into the mic. I am Jake. Jesus Christ, this I'm going to murder you. <laughs> wonderful co-host is Barstool Nate, a.k.a. Eric Nathan. Don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe. Leave us a nice, funny review or hand history. Oh, whatever you want, really. Really? And we will see everyone next week. Thanks, everybody. All right, I'll see you at the card. Okay, bye. Bye.